Hello, FCS Nation. It's time for your show. I'm your host, Kevin Marshall. I'm coming to you from chilly Missoula, Montana. Join me like he does each week as the co-host of this program, Mr. Stone Labanowitz. Stone is coming to you from his broadcast center in the sunshine state of Florida. Well, Mr. Labanowitz, we're left with four teams. Some great ball games last week, that's for sure. One stinker. The rest of them were very, very entertaining. We had it all. 45-mile-an-hour winds in Brookings. Cold and loud and late. In Montana, we had a dome ball game between New Albany and Idaho, and then we had a dome game that was just terrible between North Dakota State and South Dakota. First up from last week, recapping the action, number one, South Dakota State 23, number eight, Villanova 12. And keeping on that theme, a block punt, scoop and score was huge for the Jackrabbits. It definitely was. It definitely was. And this game was good at first. It had everybody going, wait, 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 hold on, hold on. What's going on here? But nonetheless, 27 in a row, Jimmy got the boys in the locker room at halftime, and it was their game from there. You would have thought it was two entirely different football games. The block punt was the turn of the tide. But like I said, in that second half, you would have thought this was week two. You would have thought this was week four, week seven this season. The Jacks doing what they do best. Isaiah Davis, Big Green, Big McCormick. I mean, they're just absolutely disgusting up front. Hey, I'm 25 years old, following the FCS for a while, man. I was invested in the FCS. I played in the FCS. I think this is the best offensive line the FCS has seen since God knows when. You'd have to go back to find some NFL Hall of Famers, to find some NFL All-Pros. You can do that, but come on. McCormick and these 605 Hogs are the real deal, and and probably the realest of the dealist. And you're right about that. Uh, I can't think of a better group. And I've been following this for, you know, since I've been eight years old, Stone, that I can remember, yep. right? Isaiah Davis, 192 yards rushing, 7.1 yards a carry with a tutty. The thing about Davis is this, and the Mercer people talked about it to me after the ball game was over. It seems like you have this guy surrounded in the hole, right? You've got two or three, four guys who are about to tackle him. And those guys all seem to mesh and run into each other, and Davis runs out of it. It's the damnedest thing i ever seen. We've just gotten so many reps at it. I don't know if this makes any sense that he just can basically do it with his eyes closed at this point. Like he knows where a defender's going to wrap him up and at what point pass the line and scrimmage is going to happen and where he needs to put foot in the turf, the grass and plant and go the other way. He's just got so many reps at it that it's muscle memory for the cat. Number two, Montana, 35. Number seven, Furman, 28 in overtime. Stone, this was a hell of a ball game. This was an ugly game. And we were, you know, talking about it during the ball game. Ugly is what Furman does. That's how they wanted to play. And for the people who thought that the Grizz defense was just going to dominate this ball game. And, you know, statistically, they played extremely well. But guess how many points Furman averaged coming into the ball game, Stone? How many is that? About 27 and a half. Yep. How many did they score against that Grizz defense? 28. Great. How many points did their defense give up? 35. 14 in regulation. The other 14 came from Junior Bergen and the special teams. Furman did everything they wanted <laughs> to do it. in this football game but win it. That's what they did. They played their game. But there's that, that sneaky third phase that they just didn't account for, which was Junior Bergen. He was different in the ballgame. Clifton McDowell, one pick. He had a rushing touchdown. Look at that double move that the Grizz receiver uh, put on the Furman DB in overtime. Let me just read the headline here. Grizz beat Furman in OT Thriller to advance to semis. OT Thriller. Hmm. Just, just jog my memory here for me, Kev. What was the line here pregame? 17 and a half points. One more time. 17 and a half points, and we both thought this was going to be a one-score ball game, and sure enough, it was. One more time for me. What was the spread? 17 and a half points. All right, I'll go back to the headline here. Grizz beat Furman in OT Thriller to advance to semis. God forbid the boys at FCS Nation Radio watch a little bit of ball. God forbid we know 17 and a half points is way too much. God forbid. SoCon Homers is what you're going to tell us? No, we know what the we're talking about. Tyler Huff is a dog. Dominic Roberto is a dog. Defensively, they're dogs. They just took Montana to OT in Missoula. Gave it to you guys raw. Tyler Huff on 4th and 10, standing in there. Rocky Balboa, whatever. I mean, he's a savage. And they took you guys to OT in Missoula and couldn't get it done. Why? Because Montana's a better football team. We know that. We both picked Montana. We know that. We know what they're capable of doing. We know Missoula is the mecca of college football in the FCS. But we also know that Furman was a damn good football team, and they deserved to be there. They knew it right off the bat. They knew they belonged. The keyboard warriors were quiet as bleep for four quarters. Quiet as could be. But, of course, you'll crawl your way back. And, of course, you're listening right now, and that's all that we ask. So, so we appreciate you. Furman, damn good football team. Montana, even better. 
unseeded North Dakota State, 45. Number three seed, South Dakota, 17. Stone, this game, unlike the very first series for NDSU, did it not, sir? Third and 12, you're like, all right, USD has got the bison in that thing. They don't want to be in third and long. Whoops, Cam Miller. Oh, third and 14. Cam Miller, whoop, first down. Uh-oh, game over. That's how this one went. Balanced is all hell here. 210 yards passing, 206 yards on the ground. Complete effort by the Bison. This is a scary football team rolling into Missoula for a chance to play for the national title on the line. Yeah, this one was over from Jump Street, y'all. Cam Miller was in his bag, 13 of 15, keeping it efficient, brought in Cole Payton to change the pace a little bit. But what I took away from this game is the chemistry that Cam Miller and Eli Green are building. Eli Green, a buck 16, went over the century mark for the first time this season, I do believe. If they can keep taking the shots down the field and Eli Green can be that spark, can be that playmaker on some of those third and longs and convert and be able to move the chains, yeah, they'll be able to do the same thing in Missoula because Cam Miller and a lot of these kids on this roster, Eli Mostar, one of our Alex's Lemonade Sand honorary captains, Captain of the week. They've been in these situations. A lot of the guys in Montana have not, but we'll get to that later. 36 minutes time of possession for North Dakota State. Ridiculous. And Stone, I think that is a recipe right there as to how you can go into Missoula and win. Keep the Grizz football team off the field. Keep that crowd disengaged. Give them nothing to cheer about. Run the football. Play defense. Yeah. Basically, be a bison and do your thing. Number five, Albany 30. Number four, Idaho 22. Stone, I believe I predicted this one to be Albany 31, Idaho 21. So I was close, right? Yeah, you were. But look, this is a Albany team. Defense is going to be something that we're going to be really enjoy watching against that 605 hog bunch. Defensive line is like a wall. Something's got to happen here, right? But Albany, they made the plays when they had to. And look, Poffenbarger, he was sharp, but there were throws there that he missed. Leading guys out of bounds, it would have been big plays you know this was he was sharp but he wasn't razor sharp and he's going to need to be that this week against South Dakota State can't miss those throws can't throw those balls out of bounds when you got guys open on the sideline this is going to be a good football game Idaho great season great story they had some guys enter the transfer portal and you know I know that hurts but in some cases that may be addition by subtraction we'll see the uh, the other guys have scholarships too but Jason X job repeating this has gotten a little bit more difficult since the last whistle of this football game last week Listen, I'll say this. One, I am a betting man. Two, if I had a chance to bet on Coach Jason Eck bringing in a better quarterback than Giovanni McCoy, I bet he do. I bet he does that. That's where my money's going. Don't doubt Jason Eck. But I trust Jason Eck brings in a signal caller that'll get the job done for them next year. Uh, Rocking with Idaho always will be. But listen, Reese Poffenbarger deserves all the credit in this game. He went and beat Idaho himself, and let's talk about a few records real quick. Record-breaking day for the kid, throwing 341, three tugs. He broke the UAlbany record for the single-season total offensive yards, which was set by a pretty cool Albany guy in Jeff Undercuffler uh, in 2019, as well as the Albany career record for touchdown passes, 59. Of course, that's set by Jeff as well. Reese had himself a day. He looked cool, calm, and collected in the pocket the entire night, right from Jump Street. That first touchdown to Brevin Easton was disgusting to move up in the pocket, reset, find a new platform and go yard with it in stride. Uh, good stuff from Reese, and I think he's playing with this confidence that he thinks he can beat South Dakota State, and if he keeps it, they'll have a shot, but uh, big mountain to climb. Guy's got a nice head of hair, too, Stone. At least he has hair. Yeah, I, I, I'm not really the one to... <clears throat> right, and he's also showing that ink on his arm, so, I mean, you know, I, I, I think I may have found your... your uh, to replace Mitch Davidson as your as your QB man crush next yeah, year is going to be the Poffenbarger from Albany, I think. Listen, I was rocking with Reese. He does have a little bit of ink. Uh, it's that 17, 18-year-old ink, right? Right when you become legal and you can get your first tattoo, of course, it goes on the outside of the arm. So he's still rocking with it. I mean, I like the kid's vibe and uh, he stands in the pocket. Like a lot of quarterbacks, some in the FCS, but I mean, all throughout college, they just can't stay flat-footed in the pocket and keep their eyes up when they're under pressure. Reese does that. And, and that tells me a lot about who he is on the field, but off the field as well. He's got a little swagger and he <clears throat> lets, those, lets it hang every now and then on the football field. I got to love it. And here are the FCS Nation Radio Offensive and Defensive National Players of the Week brought to you by Northwestern Mutual. The Offensive Player of the Week is Brevin Easton from UAlbany. Last week versus Idaho, nine, count them, nine receptions for 228 yards and three touchdowns. The FCS Nation Radio National Defensive Player of the Week brought to you by Northwestern Mutual is Cole Wisniewski from North Dakota State. Last week versus South Dakota, two tackles, two interceptions, and a big win over South Dakota. Congratulations to Cole Wisniewski and Brevin Easton, the FCS Nation Radio Offensive and Defensive National Players of the Week brought to you by Northwestern Mutual. It's time for us to take a quick break and we come back gene clemens and lucas sim will join stone and i for the mailbag segment you're not going to want to miss that all that and much much more is coming up next right here on fcs nation on the palmetta radio network 
Thanks for sticking with us during the break. You were listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. All right, it's just about that time of the week. It's the mailbag segment. It's the semifinal edition. We open it up to you guys on Twitter to pepper us with questions, and it becomes my job to pepper the boys with it. Kevin Marshall, of course, Coach Gene Clements, and Lucas Sam. I'm ready to go if you guys are. Let's do it. All right, let's just get this one out of the way, boys. This one from Steve Brown at Slugmaster24. We're going to go roundtable here. We'll start with you, Coach Gene Clemens. How does knowing that your head coach is leaving impact your team? I think it's a lot more about what next year looks like than this year. I think at this point or at any point, you as a a collegiate athlete, you still have a job to do. You have a little bit more urgency because now you know you're going to have to impress somebody else or you want to leave with a good lasting taste in this culture. You might want that coach to bring you with them. But I think that a a lot gets played about the emotions of it. And I don't think a lot of athletes really care that much about their coach where it hurts them that they're leaving, especially at the collegiate level. I think by this time, most people understand how it goes. I can speak for myself. It wasn't tough because I I was like sad that the coach was going. In college, I had three different coaching changes in four years of playing football. And those were a little bit more difficult because the new coach that was coming in just may not have liked my style of playing football. And so it was a, you got to prove it all over again. But the emotion of it, I don't think the emotion of it plays in nearly as much as many people believe it do. Kev, what do you got? I tend to agree with Gene, especially now since we've helped make this a business, right? And people can talk about family all they want and, you know, one, two, three, family on me, family on three. But you know what? My cousins and none of them leaving our family for money, right? They're not going into some portal somewhere and joining another family. So I think all that is way overblown. I think Gene is right. This has turned into a business. Coaches make business decisions. Players make business decisions now. I think there's very little emotion involved with it, you know, because playing with my money is like playing with my emotion. That's what Big Perm said, and he was right. Luke? Yeah, I think I don't disagree with you guys, but I think it's being extremely downplayed. That's what makes sports great is the emotion aspect of it. We don't really know what's going on behind closed doors and everyone reacts different in different situations. So it's going to be a mix of both things. But when I prompted that question about Ensign NDSU on Twitter this week, um, <clears throat> where I said, will it have a positive or negative effect? Um, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, if a guy leaves, here's the thing about the coaches. You're hearing hoorah-rah all year long. You know, you have your ups and downs. Um, sometimes players in the doghouse works his way out. Like you just go through different uh, trials and tribulations with coaches and that's what builds that family aspect. And then for it all to, you know, come crashing down, not that you shouldn't expect that in this day and age, but uh, everything you go through all year to get to the point that you're at, it could be a hit. It can be a, a mental hit. It can be a distraction, if not, you know, a sad aspect to it. Um, So there could be that part of it or the part where, you know, where I think could be the case with NDSU, you want to go out on top and everyone's saying, well, you already want to want to win a championship. Of course, that is never going to change. That's always goal. But now with the guy leaving, does that give you some extra motivation, some extra fire to say, all right, let's do it for coach and send them off the right way. Those are more of the things I was thinking about. I don't disagree with you guys that it might not have a huge effect, but I think it's being downplayed that it could have a pretty decent effect on the game. Yeah, for me personally, I think it depends on who and what you are to that team. If you're a foundational piece and, and a captain and one of the nine most important players on the team who, regardless of who is coaching you, is going to be in a lineup and making an impact and going to be an off-the-field kind of guy, like they're not too worried. They'll be ready to adapt to whatever change because whoever they bring in is going to like them because, like I said, they're foundational. Their roots are there. And then the other side of the coin, are you a resume builder? Are you a kid who knows you're going to leave and you need to put things on tape to get you in the portal into another school. You got to start building these relationships with other players and coaches around the country. It really depends on who and what you are to the team. But as long as the game plan doesn't change, as long as the script and practice doesn't change, it's the same old thing. Line it up and just butt face mask for hours on end. Uh, I, don't, I don't think it'll affect this Bison team too much. I'm just curious to see what kids that we originally thought were going to be Bisons for four years are no longer going to be Bisons. I think that's what I have my eyes set up for. This one from Jay Larson at Jaybird underscore Montana. Will any refing crew actually have the stones to call holes on NDSU. They ignored all of them last season versus the Grizz. I believe they were only whistled for one of them. Whatever happened with their performance enhancing drug controversy. We'll skip that last part. Kev, get it going. Look, they can call holding every play. Everybody knows that. And at this time of the year, they're going to let you play. And the Bison, look, they do it a little better than most teams do. They have such a reputation of being such a great offensive line for years and years over a decade. They're going to get the benefit of the doubt if they get a little handsy. 
South Dakota State is becoming that same way. So, you know, I don't think you're going to see a flag festival in any of these games just because it's that time of the year. They're going to let the players decide the outcome if they can and try to stay away from being the focus if you're the referees. They don't like that. They don't want that. And they're going to let the players decide the game. Gene, you want to jump in on this? Yeah, I think one of the things they have to remember is that if they're not calling it for NDSU, then they're probably not going to call it for you either. So it, the best thing for, for Montana to do is if they see that the refs are letting them play is to up their aggression in that in that respect. Like meet, match fire with fire. What they what they can't do is get worried about the, the referees calling holding. They need to worry about getting off to a better start in the passing game. If they get off to the start versus NDSU that they got off with versus, versus Furman, there may not be a game to be played in the second half. And so it's very important that they focus on that. I don't know if the referees are the focus. All right, Lucas, you take this one first. Drake Williams at D underscore Will underscore Sports. What is a playoff matchup that you would have liked to see, but either a team lost early or they were on opposite sides of the bracket? Well, I feel like this kind of a bailout here, but my potential matchup is one that could still happen. I'd like to see SDSU and NDSU run it back. Um, I think that would be an incredible uh, game. I want to see NDSU with the, the last game with ends going out on top of a Frisco rematch. I want to see SDSU with the new head coach. Just the firepower, star power of Dakota's matchup. Um, I want to see if NDSU can respond from what they did last year. You know, unseated. They'd be the first team to make it to the finals since Austin P. And I think that would be a great finals matchup. So my matchup that I want to see is still a possibility. Kev, what you got? I would have liked to have seen North Carolina Central play Montana. Uh, that dynamic offense, Davius Richard. I wish I could see him play again. I guess that's the, just pick any team that they didn't play in the playoffs besides Richmond. I would have liked to have seen Davius Richard play again because for me, a lot of these guys are worth price of admission. I'd pay twice to see that guy. Gene, you got any matchups in mind? The matchup that I would have liked to have seen didn't come because they didn't make the playoffs, even though I thought they should have. I would have loved to have seen a first round matchup of Holy Cross versus NDSU. Oh, I think that would have been a really, really awesome, really, really tasty first round matchup. All right, Kev, you first here. This one from John Patterson on Twitter. Shouldn't there just be a preseason MVFC versus Big Sky tournament to decide all of this? I mean, no. <laughs> we got a CAA team still left. Uh, Could have had a SOCON team still left very easily. They don't decide to kick the ball to Junior Bergen twice. So no, uh, there's more parity this year between the leagues than there has been in a while. Uh, so miss me with that, bro. I agree with Kevin here because we all are interested in this playoff because it's just like March Madness. Why we fall in love with March Madness? Any team can do it. You know, more years than not, sure, it might be a Missouri Valley team or it might be a Big Sky team, but we're all just waiting for that one year where a CAA team or a SOCON team makes that run. That's that's what makes the FCS playoffs so special. Yo, Kev, speaking of the SOCON, this one from Gaines at 406 underscore Gaines. I think the guy has six followers, doesn't even have a profile picture, but he does ask, who is Furman playing this weekend? That's a very good question. Very <laughs> succinct and 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 well put. Uh, Furman is playing their own locker room in the transfer portal because they all gone. So, uh, you know, I don't know what to say other than the fact that Furman's going to have to, to get to this point next year, they're going to have to do it with a whole bunch of different fellas. I'm not sure they can do it. Clay Hendricks is a good coach. But Furman, they had equipment turn-in day, and then uh, everybody turned in their equipment, got in their cars, and left through the transfer portal. Sad. All right, this one right here, roundtable. Everybody gets a whack. Definitely, Brandon, at its number 76. Shout out, Brandon. Shout out, everybody in Jack Seller Street. We love them boys and excited to see them in Frisco. Who wins in a cage match between the remaining head coaches? Kev, you first. Gene, you second. Luke, you coming off the top ropes in third. I think Coach Greg Gattuso from UAlbany because he looks like he'd bite you, man. He looks like a fella who would just, in a back alley brawl, you would not want to mess with him. He'd uh, do some sort of you know weird wrestling move to you, beat you up, and then go buy you a beer. My type of guy. Five-star frog splash from Gattuso. I can see it. I can see it, Gene. What you got? I think it's Coach Ince. He has a he has a little bit of like like aggression about him that says that he could take a punch and throw one back. I think I would take him in, in a grudge match as somebody who could probably take the most punishment and because of that end up the victor because he just has the most juice left at the end. I dig it. I dig it, Luke. What's up? Yeah, off the top ropes, like you said, I'm going with Jimmy Rogers. This is the easy choice. You got the young guy, the confident guy. You know, with how it's not going to happen, he was a runner. Catuso, he's a little too old. And, <laughs> and it would be close with Enz. He'd be a close second. He seems like he's got that little... Like how Kevin said, Katusa might want to bite somebody. I get that vibe from Entz, but all in all, I'm going to go with Jimmy. Hey, I agree with Luke here. I do think it's Jimmy Rogers, Katusa, a little too old. Entz in a close second. Entz takes me as like a headlock guy. He's not going to want to sit there and throw blows. I think if you put Jimmy Rogers in a phone booth with all these guys, they're all getting knocked out. Too young, too spry, and he seems like a mean guy. I've heard some stories from practice. Not actually mean, but he's willing to give it to his boys.
boys straight up. So there's our cage match predictions. All right, let's talk a little bit about who the candidates are for the North Dakota State Bison. This one from Eric Miller at Eric Miller 59 on Twitter. Who are the top internal and external candidates for head coach position at North Dakota State? Kev? I think you have to look at Tyler Roll, right? I mean, the players seem to want him, but you know, the fact that you had people who were very close to that program saying that if he's not named the head coach, regardless of what happens in the ball game this weekend, a bunch of kids going to hit the portal. I find that hard to believe, and I think that's a dangerous precedent to set. You're going to appoint a leader of something that has millions of dollars involved in it. You can't let uh, young men who are emotionally attached decide who that's going to be. The adults need to do that. And, you know, Brent Vegan, look, this would be a very, very good way for him to exit himself out of some problems that are coming on his coaching staff in Bozeman, you know, with the assistant coaches and, you know, some of the problems that they've had uh, off the field. A good way for him to not have anything to do with it would be, hey, I'm going to Fargo and uh, my former assistant coaches and Montana State. Uh, my name's Paul, and that's between y'all. Luke, Gene, you guys got any other names besides Tyler Roll? Uh, no, I don't have any, but I just want to say about Vegan, and Kevin, let me know what you think about this, but I just feel like at this point, the way he's built MSU and the culture and the fan base and just everything he's been able to accomplish there, it seems like somewhat of a lateral move at this point to go to Fargo, and I don't know that that's something that he would want to do at this point. Well, the phone ain't ringing for him from Wyoming. Uh, they made that when Craig Bowl retired. They replaced him internally with a quickness, so I'll, you know, I, he's not going to Wyoming. Uh, so unless you're just extremely happy in Bozeman, having to deal with some huge problems coming up off the field, they're going to come through the courts. I don't know. I think if it, if you have an opportunity to get out of there, uh, go back to where you're kind of from, uh, where people know you, have everything set up in your favor. I think it's a good move if they want him. All right, I love it, boys. This one from my name is Jeff, and his profile picture he's got his ugly fat ass dog in there. Can you steal one of my pictures next time, please? Question mark. Sean takes great photos, but respectfully, not nearly as good as mine. He also added an LOL in there. Kev, you want to take this one? Look, uh, last week on the X app, a member of the team uh, posted a picture from the game. Uh, didn't give credit to who the picture was taken by. And regardless of who does it, that, that type of stuff begins and ends with me. It's my deal. It's my fault. I have called the person in question and apologized to them. That apology was accepted. And if the rest of you uh, can't seem to get over it, well, that's a you problem, not an us problem. I'll say it again. It was my fault. I didn't catch it. I'm responsible. Let's move on. All right. Kevin playing nice there. Jim Poppin at I underscore Slayer. What is the one food that you are looking forward to having while in Frisco? Barbecue, tacos, etc. And which is the best place to have each? So he tags me here, but I do want to go round table. We got two more questions left. Listen, for me, it, it's simple. Anything and everything. I'm a Mexican restaurant guy. Uh, we had Mexican there last year, Gene and, and Kevin. But it really doesn't matter for me. Uh, I, I don't frequent Texas, but I really got no preference. Here. What about you, Gene? I like to bop around, and, and I'm like you. I like Mexican food, so Ooh. anytime I get a chance to get some Tex-Mex stuff going on, I'm all for it. Um, Any place, anywhere. I, I I literally will bop from place to place to place to have a taco or or something everywhere. I, I love that that type of food. That's my that's my love language. All right, the bust down boys right here. Can't follow it up. You got anything in mind or no? Just put it in my belly. It's certainly not going to be barbecue because none of that is ever served in the state of Texas, and I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> Look, anything? For me, it's anything and everything. I've never yeah. been to Texas. I'll tell you, up here in Montana, you get that lack of variety. And sometimes it's tough. I'm ready to get maybe a real authentic Mexican dish. All right, last but not least, Corey Bleak at Bleak Corey on Twitter. Have you given serious consideration to my name change suggestion for y'all? SoCon Nation Radio 1 has a ring to it. Certainly better represents the clear leanings of your show and its creators. Kev, you got the floor, my man. That's an awful bunch of word salad to say that you had Montana and 17 and a half points, isn't it? I think you should have listened to us and uh, maybe you wouldn't have lost your money last week there, Corey. Gene, what's up? I, I love, you know what? I love the FCS Nation Radio fan base and, and the people who aren't even really fans who just act like they're fans so they could try to throw out shots. The difference is is that when there's people who know what they're talking about in football because they've, i.e., watched football, played football, have a working and functional brain, knew that this SoCon team that was a really strong SoCon team for the past couple of years was going to go into this Big Sky team um, home and, and give them a run for their money. It's not a diss. It doesn't mean that we're a homer. And just because you don't have enough brain cells to figure out that 
17 and a half points is a lot of points in a football game, period, let alone in a semifinal, excuse me, in a quarterfinal game, then I don't know what else to tell you. Hopefully, he got his John, he got his rocks off and he's feeling a little bit better about himself. And then maybe somewhere in the future, he might be able to look at all of the content that we do from all around this nation, from all of these beautiful, fantastic, wonderful FCS programs, not just from the big sky or from the Missouri Valley Football Conference. God forbid we watch some football, right? I mean, God forbid we call out a line that the sports books, who we know don't really have the sharpest eye on some of these FCS games. God forbid we talked about 17 and a half points, more than two and a half possessions worth is a little too much points for for a senior-led, top-heavy Furman team led by Tyler Huff. All right, I do want to hear from you guys on this one. Actually, here's our last one. I'll take it first, though. From Joshua Hoffman at Jack Husker 27 on Twitter. For Stone specifically, what team needs its QB to be at his best to win? For Kevin, what's the best sweet tea out there? Kev, I, I, I'll take this one first. We'll talk about the quarterbacks, then you can get into some sweet tea. Listen, this one's easy. It's Reef Poffenberger. I mean, to go into the Kibbe Dome and play the way that he did, breaking all of the records, I mean, I could sit here and rattle off the single-season passing record, the single-season touchdown. I can do that, but you eliminated Eck and Giovanni McCoy, and now you have an opportunity to eliminate the defending national champions. Uh, this is a big task, but he looked damn sure ready for the moment last week in enemy territory. And if he wants to walk into Brookings, hey, they're used to the cold weather too. If he wants to let it drag as well, I think Poffenberger's got a chance to really, really, really put FCS Nation on the map, put the CAA on the map. Reese is playing with such confidence. He's oozing with it. He's dialed in. I think Poff's got something to say. What about you guys? Kev, you got it. I think that Montana really needs Clifton McDowell to do what they need him to do, Stone. He, has not, he doesn't have to go out there and throw the ball to win the game, but if he can hit those open guys, Montana will do very well against North Dakota State. If he has a competent and good game the way he's played every game this season, if he throws a pick, gets a little rattled, then it becomes a much harder thing for them to overcome. Montana needs Clifton McDowell to do what he's done all season, which is be steady, make the throws that are there, and don't make the big mistake. Gene? I, I would I would normally say Clifton McDowell, and, and I think that he has to play well as a passer and as a runner in order for them to have success this weekend. But I, I mean, how do I not go back to Cam Miller? You can't like, you have to be, you have to show up as a passer in these games. These are the games where you have to show up as a passer, not just as somebody that can, can, can break off a run. Like you're going to have to be able to show. And I know NDSU fans think that I'm like, that I like, I'm like a hater or whatever. I don't know why. I just want to see him step up and be the guy that, they all believe that he is for them to be able to advance and get back for for a rematch um in in, in Frisco. Uh, what about you, Lucas? Yeah, I'm super torn on this one. Um, but <clears throat> I mean, I think the right decision is Poffenberger. Um, when you just stack up Albany, I mean, and maybe some of it has to do with their name brand. But you look at Albany against SDSU, Montana, NDSU, right? Like their their makeup is just not the same. And what's really put them ahead is Poffenberger. So like from that aspect, it's got to be him. He's got to be absolutely lights out for them to even have a chance and so like i feel like that's the right decision but again part of me is going back towards cam miller and uh gene i think you're right he's gonna have to pass it pretty well uh this week but i think we saw last week like in the playoffs the spotlight is on you huge that running ability and that's why i was so high on him a few pods ago like that vision laying out at the goal line to get to the end zone that stuff's magnified at this level and he's so good at that and we've talked about he doesn't need to pass it 30 times in this offense to be good. But like if he can just keep operating the way he operates, it's so important to that offense. Um, so I'm kind of torn, but I think Poffenberger is the right decision. Kev, you mentioned somebody's name. I think it was Clifton McDowell. Um, are you talking about the fellow who's going to be on our show this week? Is that who you're talking about? Yes, sir. Oh. Good friend of the program. Good quarterback. Happy to welcome Clifton back to the show. When people are on the Stone Cold quarterback segment, Stone, their uh, their record's pretty good the week after they are up here with you. Let's see if we can keep that rolling. Yeah, I was just making sure that that Clifton McDowell fellow you were talking about, that was the one that was going to be on our show right here on SoCon Nation Radio 1. <clears throat> so everybody stay tuned for that. The preview segment coming up next. And right after that, Clifton McDowell, it's another Stone Cold quarterback segment. Stay with us, like I mentioned. Listen to some of our fine partners that we have here. And when we get back, it's a preview segment. You're listening to FCS Nation Radio on the Palmetto Radio Network. Thanks for hanging out with us this week, FCS Nation. We've jammed this segment in there pretty early because we've had some teams kick off on Friday night. Last week, it was Furman, Montana. This week, Albany, South Dakota State. A big hitter, 7 o'clock, the kickoff time here on the East Coast. Excited 
to see this one, Kev. ESPN2 is where you're going to be able to find it. We're talking about a fifth seed Albany team. That alone sounds funny. I think back in August, if you were to tell us that Albany would have been a fifth seed, playing in a semifinal game on Friday night at ESPN. So we would have laughed. I mean, not us, preferably because we watched this team play in week one and said, hold on, hold on. Gattuso's on to something here. This team can play ball and they have a really good quarterback in Reese Poffenbarger. So surprising, but at the same time, not really because they gave Idaho the work last week. And then we can talk about that South Dakota State team. Of course, everybody knows they're the one seed. This team's won, I think, 27 games in a row. Excited to see what they have on deck for everybody. They're favored by over three possessions, just like they were last week. We're going to talk about it a little bit, Kevin have a sneaky little preview segment here if albany were to get it done how the hell do they do that they do it by controlling the clock and out south dakota stating south dakota state they're gonna need to be able to run the football and i think to be able to do that they're gonna have to do what reese poffenbarger wanted to do last week which is run the ball a little more he has that ability on that read option when he pulls it out there's gonna be holes there because he hasn't pulled it out of there and ran with it very many times this season there isn't a whole lot of tape of that although there is tape of him trucking a couple of dudes in the playoffs a couple of weeks ago down there at the goal line when the game was decided so, you know, he's a physical runner. They're going to have to use him more. You're going to have to look at him and go, wow, he kind of did some of the same things to the Jackrabbits that Matthew Saluka did to the Jackrabbits. Poffenbarger's not that type of a runner. He's capable enough, but he's not plus, plus, plus type of guy in the quarterback run game. And they're also going to have to complete those short passes turn them into, you know, five, six-yard gains, keep the chains moving, keep the clock moving, and keep Mark Gronowski and Isaiah Davis and those 605 Hogs over there on the sidelines. Now, all that's easy enough to say, isn't it, Stone? But, you know, they're also going to be up against that Jackrabbit defense, which, look, they've played outstanding all season. But with the way that they've dominated people on the offensive side of the ball and on the offensive side of the line, they don't get the run that those 605 Hogs do. But this is a matchup here of both sides have extremely stout defensive line. All America all over this. And that's the matchup. This time of the year, can anybody be surprised that the teams that are playing have some of the best offensive and defensive line play in the entire subdivision? That's just not a coincidence, is it, Stone? It's definitely not. It's a good point you bring up because Albany's defensive line, and you don't say this often, kind of has carried this team. Just stifling in the run game. They're able to get after the passer. They ended the game last week being able to force a fumble in the backfield with Giovanni McCoy being rushed out of there before he was even able to finish his drop. So sneakily, this defensive line and the guys in the trenches have been able to carry this team. I do agree with you in the fact that Albany's going to have to run the ball if they want to win this game. They handed the ball off to Griffin Woodell last week against Idaho in the Kibbe Dome 21 times. Almost hit the century mark, finished at 98 yards and a touchdown, found pay dirt once. Just don't think they have any success against South Dakota State in the run game. Like this game's really going to be forced upon Reese Poffenbarger's shoulders. He's going to have to carry the load. And I I do say this every week, and it's not a filler that I just throw out there. But for these teams that are dogs by as many points as where the line sits at right now, which is at 21 and a half, it's all on Poffenbarger's ability to convert third downs and elongate the drives and keep South Dakota State out the field. I've been saying the same thing, but that's because some of these spreads have been this high and that's what it's going to take. You have to make a team like South Dakota State question themselves. Southern Illinois, and I'm not just saying this because I went there and I played ball there, but they were able to do this. They were able to make South Dakota State question themselves. They went on long drive. Punt. South South Dakota State went on long drive punt and it just kept going back and forth until southern illinois was just able to get broken down by the jacks and that's what this is going to take here poffenberger really good in the scramble drill the past few weeks he's been able to improvise and literally create touchdowns in what seemed like broken down plays. So some more of that make it seem a little weird in Dana J. Dykehouse. And I think if they do that, they have a shot. This is going to be one of those games too where I think we're just going to pick South Dakota State, but we do think the other team can cover the spread. I think Albany's able to cover the spread here because Poffenbarger's able to make enough plays. This defensive line's able to get after Mark Gronowski just enough to keep it close, right? Just to make these Jackrabbit fans think that this is an actual game. But of course, in that third, fourth quarter stretch, they're going to wear them down eventually in Isaiah. Davis is going to pop one for 46 and it's going to end the game. It's going to wrap it all up. Let's talk about score lines here, Kev. Uh, I've been battling back and forth with this one all week because the total sits at 46 and a half, so a little lower. Uh, I'm sure it's going to be freezing cold in Brookings. You got a score in mind? Yes, I do. And and, and the weather is going to be about the best you could ask for, right. I think, uh, at this particular junction in time, at that particular latitude and longitude. And Albany is not a team that is unaccustomed 
to it being chilly, right? That's a, uh, that is not a warm climb up there in upstate New York, that's for sure. Uh, I do like South Dakota State in the ballgame. I think it'll be closer than most people do. Uh, I think Albany has the things that you need to do to be competitive against South Dakota State, but now they need some things to go their way. I, I think a, a couple of things will, but give me South Dakota State over you, Albany and the Jackrabbits to advance at a national championship game. Jackrabbits win 31. 24. I love that score line. Uh, I'm actually pretty similar, pretty aligned with that. I do think you see some points here. I think the over is a good look, partially because I think Albany scored. I think Albany is going to force South Dakota State to kind of open up the playbook, hit some of the chunk plays, take the shots down the field, because you're going to find this game at 7-7, 7-10, I think in the second quarter, and then Albany, hey, may take the lead, and then South Dakota State's going to be on the sideline like, okay, okay, hold on, hold on, and then they'll go score, and I think that avalanche will just start to race down the mountain here. Uh, the score line that I got, I got the Jacks 35, Albany 21. I think this game hits over the 50 mark. That's where I'm going, Kev. 35-21 the way of the Jacks. And they, like you said, advance to another national championship game in Frisco that we're excited to be at. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. Thanks for sticking with us during the break. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Networks. Now time for the preview segment. We welcome back Gene Clemens and Lucas Sim for this. Up first, the Celebration Bowl. We've got Howard versus Florida A&M from Atlanta. Gene Clemens, Howard, Florida A&M, two pretty good football teams, and Florida A&M. They went through everybody like crap through a goose, pretty much. Yeah, it was it was Florida A&M's time, right? They the last two years was Jackson State's time. We knew that Jackson State would take a step back with Coach Prime moving on to Colorado and taking some key pieces with them. They were still a competitive program, but Florida A&M was on the ascent. They were coming, and if it wasn't this year, if Coach Prime had stayed, it would have been sooner or later. I think I think Willie Simmons is one of the best coaches in in all of the FCS. Um, I think that. There are some other programs, possibly even some FBS programs that should look at him as, as a head coaching candidate. Um, and, and it's great to watch them ascend. And I'm really excited because the storyline could be the former MEAC team is the SWAC team that actually gets over the hump against the MEAC. I think that's a that's a great storyline right there. And you mentioned Willie Simmons. Look, uh, when he was a quarterback at Clemson, Tommy Bowden called him. He said he should have been an ambassador for college football. And then he transfers to the Citadel. And Ellis Johnson said the same thing. This guy, if you want to look up college football and what's good about it, there'll be a picture of Willie Simmons there. He's done the exact same thing as a head coach down there at Florida A&M in a place where, look, Gene, what's right across the street from them? Florida State. You know, you're not going to be the big snake, right? You're going to you're going to be the, you know, uh, having to f- uh, fight for some scraps and, and some coverage. But all he's done is get good players in down there, play good football. And look, you don't go... 11 and 1 unless you're a pretty good football team. Quarterback is fantastic. They have some skill position guys, but one of the things you're always going to find with a Willie Simmons coach team is they're going to have a couple of guys on the defensive line and a couple of guys in that defensive backfield and linebackers who are going to get after you every play. They have that this year. The defense is good. They've held people down. And Stone, you said it several times. The Rattlers just strike on offense. It's happened repeatedly. That's a very, very, very explosive bunch. Yeah, that, the boys up in Tally, their offense is like an avalanche, and they've been seeing high points spreads up until this point so I, i'm glad to see that it's creeped down to like a touchdown i think this game will be pretty competitive and i'm excited for that because famu's just trumped everybody well jane howard right what they did with beating north carolina central you know it it, it gave us an opportunity to see North Carolina Central in the FCS playoffs, even though that wasn't their goal, right? Howard, nobody really gave them much of a chance this season. This was not a team anybody talked about as Celebration Bowl bound in August. Great job's been done by those Bison up there. Absolutely, and Quentin Williams played fantastic in the North Carolina Central game, I believe, um, through for um, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Um, He and, and Jeremy Musa, the quarterback for Florida A&M, they're almost like the Spider-Man meme. They're kind of very similar in the way they play the game. Their stats look similar. Um, how they how they conduct themselves in the offense looks similar. I think he's done a great job of being a calming presence on that offense, a guy that could really keep them on track, on level. I, I think that they 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 challenge themselves, and right, and so we're, we're telling these FCS teams to to challenge themselves, and I think that they did that. They played Eastern Michigan early in the year. They played Northwestern. Um, played Northwestern very tight. Um, and I think that was the thing that probably told them, hey, you know what, we we have an ability to 
play with, with, with teams. You know, they took a step back versus Harvard. That was a lopsided loss, but but when you when you look at what they do and and how they do it, they they have a very they have a very situationally explosive offense. I won't say that they put up points in bunches all the time, but they just have an ability to kind of get on a roll. And so if you put them in the right situation, they'll strike. They'll they'll take an opportunity to hit you over the top. And I think that's something that that Florida A&M is going to have to be really really careful on when they're when they're trying to navigate how to beat Howard in the Celebration Bowl. Well, look, we're all going to meet up down there in Frisco, but how about this? Uh brain trust of FCS Nation, the writing side, the radio side, all sides. We need to have a meet up next year in Atlanta for the Celebration Bowl. Who's in? I'm in. I'm in. Listen, I'm you don't have to tell you don't have to tell me. I'm I'll be there in a heartbeat. You don't have to beat me over the head with a trip to Atlanta, so. It's like a 6 and a half hour drive from where I'm at in South Florida. So no biggie. Just fill the gas tank up one, two times and I'm there like swimwear. Bet. Done. Moving on. Our second game we're going to preview here in the preview segment is North Dakota State at number two, Montana. Y'all, I don't quite know how to describe this one. The last time I saw these two teams play in Missoula, it was smoky. I had only been here like three like three seasons. Uh, Carson Wentz was on one side and Bob Stead, it was his first game as the Grizz head coach. And I remember my tailgate buddies in the parking lot before that game saying, you know, We've got to give this guy Stitt four or five years to rebuild the program. We can't rush to judgment. We've got to be patient. Well, then what happened happened, and those same fellas, three and a half hours later at the same tailgate, were saying, book the flights to Frisco. We're back. So, you know, obviously that wasn't the case. There, there are plenty of times, and I think the worst thing that ever happened to Bob Stitt being head coach for the Montana Grizzlies was beating NDSU that day. But I digress. This ball game, North Dakota State, complete house money, guys. Y'all might disagree with me all you want. Kick rocks. You're not supposed to be here. Montana is NDSU play loose you know you, your head coach is going to go after your last whistle of whenever your last game is whether that's this week or whether it's down there for all the marbles in Frisco Texas Cam Miller there's some guys who are not as fond of his playing ability who are on this uh, particular program as I am but last week he looked extremely good now that was against South Dakota who yikes boy I made a mistake picking them didn't I uh, who was not a very good football team uh, towards the end of the year and it showed in the playoffs but if he can be the Cam Miller that he was last week throwing the ball like he did this is going to be a whale of a ball game and North Dakota State has a very good chance to come out of this one with a win I find it interesting you say NDSU wasn't supposed to be here but when I picked them as my dark horse before the playoffs started you guys all laughed at me and said that was crazy I'd laugh you know, because that, you called a, a plus 700 future team to, to a, a dark horse. That's the only reason I laugh. It doesn't qualify as a dark horse. If if you're plus 700, I mean, at, at a well, that's a dark horse. I'd take, I'd take 700 odds on a team making it to the to Frisco at knowing it's NDSU. I mean, those are pretty favorable odds where, I mean, you're, exactly. making, money, you're making decent money back is what I mean. Yeah, exactly, though. That's not a that's not a dark horse. If you if you would if you would take them because you have a good chance of being right, like a real really good chance of being right, then that's not a dark horse. Not to mention that North Dakota State played in the championship game last year and have a significant amount of their team back. So, right. But based, I, off those, based off those odds, it's one thing, but when we talk about them like they weren't supposed to be here, that's how most people I mean, they weren't one of the top eight seeds, so that tells me that nobody thought they were supposed to be here. I think, at, I think, the, I think it was point. warranted at the moment in time when they were unseeded, and now looking, it is kind of silly because this team has done what they've done and they've ran through everybody to get here. But listen, this game right here this matchup is nothing short of a banger it's the definition of a popcorn matchup to me it's rambo versus bruce lee and bruce lee versus rambo i think i think you guys know which one is which here but both of these teams are going to get in a phone booth and try to run the football for me it's the explosive plays and and a lot of people oh god here he goes the quarterback talking about explosive plays but that's really what not stone levanowitz and his explosive plays again (laughs) i know i know who would have thought that but 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 in all seriousness though whoever wins the explosive play battle wins this ball game both these teams probably won't turn the ball over uh Unless something happens, whether it's a muff punt or a tipped INT, I don't see any of that stuff. Both teams are going to try to establish the run. Both teams play really sound defense. To me, this game really comes down to what quarterback can get outside the hash and extend plays and extend drives. Both these guys are more than capable of doing it. I think the bigger arm prevails here, and that's Clifton McDowell. I think Montana's got the edge here because of Clifton McDowell. Again, this Montana Grizz team, they're able to get after the passer. And with that being said, if you can put Cam Miller in some third and 12s, some third and 13, 14, 15, 
screen or, you know, second and 10, some obvious throwing downs, North Dakota State's going to have some trouble. And I think if, if, if Montana's defense can get North Dakota State's offense off the field and not let them take the time of possession battle away from them, Montana's going to win this game. But I think Clifton McDowell's a difference here. Well, Stone, look at that. All right. Last week, in the first couple of drives, South Dakota had NDSU in the exact position that you just mentioned. And Cam Miller was like three for three for 77 yards and a touchdown on third. And the average distance was third and like 14. It was so, sick. It, they converted eight of 11 third downs last week and controlled the ball for more than 36 minutes. Like that's teach tape stuff. It's exactly the opposite of what I'm saying they can and can do. But this is bigger stages. You're going into Missoula. This isn't for a million. And I, they were able to go through that Yotes defense like a hot knife through butter. I think this is a different case. There are levels to this. And South Dakota is not on the level of Montana. But I hear you loud and clear. They showed me. They showed all of us that they're capable of doing it. I just think Montana's defense is a whole different beast. Right. I have to go. I, think- I kind of agree with Stone here at this point. Like Montana scored at least 34 points every week over the last six weeks. North Dakota State has scored 49 points per game in the playoffs. It's going to come down to and both well, do, both defenses. No one allows over more than 18 points per game. So like something's got to give at some point. And I think it's going to come down to those ex- explosive plays you mentioned. And here's something I think Montana is going to remember. Last year when they went to the Fargo Dome, NDSU scored on four plays that went over 65 yards four in one game they didn't have any of them that season up to that point and that is what really set them apart and won them that game I don't think that's happening in Montana I don't think that's happening to a defense that somehow you know before the end before the beginning of the year they were talked about as maybe being the weaker side of the ball this season after losing some players and they've been absolutely dominant I just don't think that's going to happen again I think this game favors the Grizz ever so slightly I think the interesting part about this game is I think the both teams have the same blueprint to get it done defensively and that is let's stop these guys from running let's make them prove that they can beat us over the top with the passing game let's let's sit on let's sit on the wide receivers take away the short or intermediate passes and let's make them beat us over the top to try to win we're not going to let them run we're not going to let their quarterbacks run we're going to spy their quarterbacks we're going to keep people close to the box or at least with their eyes on the box and then let's see who can beat us over the top i i just with that being said I like McDowell over the top better than I like um, either one of the quarterbacks from North Dakota State. Although, um, in in fairness, it's Cam Miller that does most of the passing. I think both DCs here will fill the box, and I don't know if that's necessarily going to work in North Dakota State's favor. The Junior Bergens, I mean, the playmakers that this team have are a lot better than guys like Eli Green, and Eli Green's a stud for North Dakota State. He had his first century mark game last week, five receptions for a buck sixteen. He had five first downs himself. Some of those third downs were when Cam Miller had to find him. Yeah, I, I just think that if you want to play a little bit of man coverage and you want to keep these safeties low-hanging like North Dakota State does, you're going to have to score some points on offense because there are going to be some explosive chunk plays and cheap six points found by the Grizz if you're playing any bit of man coverage or there's eight, nine guys in the box. I don't know how that works. Or if you punt the ball to Junior Bergen or kick it to him on a kickoff. <laughs> I mean, too. you just can't do that. That too. And well, they you, definitely won't do that. Right, they you just definitely will not you just, do that. You, you just can't do that. And uh, look, the special Special teams have been such an important part of these playoffs, such a huge part of it. And, you know, that's where Montana has an edge, even though NDSU had a nice kickoff return for a touchdown last week, right? But still, Montana has the edge there. And I just think that you kick the ball, pop it in the air, make the up back, uh, field it at the 32 with a fair catch, and run your defense out there and try to stop them. Uh, Special teams is going to be a wash because NDSU is not going to allow Montana to make that affect the football game. But field goal kicking can. And uh, the Montana field goal kicker, Look, he they put him out there a couple times last week for attempts that were outside of his range or just barely on the cusp of maybe his range. If they get him to where he's comfortable, which is, you know, 42, 40, 41, 39, 38 yards, he'll nail those all day. He was perfect. He is a plus guy. He is a plus guy when he's in his range. So if you can continue to do that and keep those three points rolling, they will. But you can't send that kid out there and ask him to make a 48-yarder. He don't have the leg. You know what I wonder about is how will the Grizz contain Zach Mathis at this point? Because I think about one play in the Furman game, and it was Mason Pline going down on one leg that Huff tosses in in the end zone. They had about three guys on him, and that same size, 6'7", it looked easy for him. It wasn't even what was an extremely difficult-looking play was an easy play for him to make. I feel like they're 
going to isolate Mathis, and that's the one thing that could really keep them in the game. I think we got to also think about the fact that this isn't 9,000 people in a dome. This is 25, 26,000 sauced up, ready to, to see like a war. Especially with the way that stadium's built here in Missoula. The sound's got nowhere to go. It's going to be loud. It's going to be hostile. And I'm going to tell you this. If the North Dakota State Bison can be unseated, go and beat Drake like they did, which they should have, beat Montana State in Bozeman, beat the number three seed South Dakota Coyotes in Vermilion, and then come to Missoula and beat the Grizz to get to the national championship, hats off, man. That's a job. And it'll be something people will talk about for decades. Hats off. I'm taking my shirt off, my pants off, my socks off. If North Dakota I was St- about to say. If North Dakota State I'm pulls, buying rounds. If, if North Dakota State pulls this off, I mean, I'm buying a Cam Miller jersey and I'm I'll become a part of his NIL collective. I mean, oh, I mean, what are we doing here? I, I almost regret what I said, but Bozeman's hostile territory too. Missoula's hostile territory too. I'm not gonna I, I'm not gonna lie. I know this line's gotten down to a pick'em here, but this is uh this is the more we talk about it, I, I I think the bigger the stakes get for for these guys here. Well, I'm going to make a call right here that it's time for us to take a break. Coming up next will be the Stone Cold QB segment with Clifton McDowell, quarterback for the Montana Grizzlies. And after that will be the pick segment. I know you'll want to hang out for that. We'll be right back. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. So God Nation Radio. Who wants to trust the kicker in this situation? Let's just be honest. McDowell, the seed hits Keelan White. Thanks for sticking with us during the break. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. All right, this is a big fish edition of the Stone Cold Quarterback segment. Two times he's been on the show. I've teased it. You've seen it. Mr. Clifton McDowell, the signal caller for the Montana Grizzlies. Cliff, what's up? Thanks for joining the show this week. Glad to be here. <laughs> a 35-28, the finish against Furman last week. Took overtime to get it done. Listen, I got a multiple choice question for you to get things rolling here. I know it's finals week. You're fresh off of a final right now. So I, I, I'm sure you've seen a million multiple choice questions. So uh, how about I throw one more at you? All right, sounds good. <laughs> In the Grizz facility, things right now are more A, fun, B, laser focused, C, loose. One more time. In the Grizz facility, things right now are more fun. A, B, laser focused. C, loose. Uh, I'll say B. B, laser focused? Yeah, laser focused. Okay, you guys are in your bag right now. Hey, it looks like it. Uh, 2-0 in the playoffs right now. You guys are rolling. So are your fans. Man, they're loud and proud on Twitter. They love themselves some Clifton McDowell. Washington Grizzly Stadium looks like a fun place to play. For those who have not been there, give them a little taste of what it's like. It's the mecca of FCS college football. That's what we call it, at least. Yeah, it, it's definitely uh, electrifying. Just going out there and seeing all the fans and the Grizz gear and just they just causing havoc to the opposing team offenses it's, it's fun to watch it's fun to watch electrifying is the word you used right right <laughs> it looks it looks electrifying there's a reason you guys are playing on ESPN2 this week Cliff you're undefeated as a starting QB for the Grizz you're 2-0 in the playoffs Last week, 17 to 31, 208, one TD against Furman. You ran for a buck 18 as well and found Pater with your legs. This season, 1,700 yards, 12 scores to just three interceptions, and is rushed for 734 yards and nine more touchdowns. But like I said, you're undefeated. I just read off a tweet from Kyle Hansen. Shout out to Kyle for that one. But from a team perspective, what's working best for you guys right now? If you had to dial it down to one thing, dial it down to one thing, just our abilities, just make plays. We got a bunch of guys on the team from the old linemen allowing us to hit the gaps and uh pass protection from receivers making catches to uh, having the uh, Jerry Rice freshman of the year back there along with Nick Osmo and just it's a bunch of talent on this team. Yeah Nick and Eli holding it down for you guys in the backfield alongside yourself but talk about that offensive line what they've meant to you guys this season and how they've gotten you here. Man them guys just play with a lot of grit they're just so happy that they're blocking for me just how they just hold down things and then just don't let nothing really knock them off their balance they we play they practice so hard and then prepare for stunts and blitzes like that is just real amazing to see and have yeah it shows all right cliff 49 plus 35 equals 84 49 which you dropped on delaware's head 35 that's what you gave Furman last week 84 points that's how many you guys have scored in the past two weeks two playoff games that is offensive coordinator brent pease i'm sure that he has a lot to do with your guys' success, especially in these playoffs, you guys seem tied to the hip as of late. How confident are you in the plans that he's cooking up week in and week out? Oh, man, this is a big shout-out to Coach Pease, man. He, he dials it up, and we just go out there and 
and execute. And he just it's this is a preparation for each game is just one of a kind. It's one of one for sure. One of one. One of one, <laughs> Clifton McDowell says about off the coordinator Brent Pease. Hey, I love to hear that. Also one and one. Well, actually not one of one because I'm gonna run down a list of guys, but I I feel like and you can tell me if I'm wrong, each of these guys is one of one. The skill players that surround you, they are something special. FCS fans have just taken notice to each and every one of them. Junior Bergen, we'll get to a little more of him. Keelan White pulled Furman defender pants down there on the goal line there late in OT. Eli Gilman, of course, you talked about him and Aaron as well. How awesome is it to have these guys in your arsenal? It makes it, it makes the game a lot easier. I say that just being able to get the ball in them guys' hands and allow them to make plays is just it's fun to watch as well. Just being there, throwing a go ball to the Keelan and watching them go get it, or seeing Aaron break down a defender, it's just fun to watch. All right, the million dollar question here, Clifton: Why do teams keep kicking it to Junior Bergen? Man, I have no clue. <laughs> I have no clue. I mean. I, I want them to keep kicking it to him. Of course. <laughs> so, I mean, it's all good with me. But, I mean, I had no clue. <laughs> Listen, now we just watch these games. And typically, it's the most boring part of the game, right? Kickoff, eh, when a team just kicks it out of the back of the end zone, touchback, you guys are starting the drive. But to watch a kicker's foot hit a ball, questioning, just looking, is this about to go to Junior Bergen? Has become like appointment television for not only Grizz fans, but FCS fans. Eh, there's a lot of people that tune into these games, but watching to see if a special teams coordinator has the balls to kick it to Junior Bergen has become fun. It's like a mini game. It's like an arcade game for all of us. So your answer, you have absolutely no clue. I'm fine with that. I, I think that's the answer that we were looking for because we have no clue as well crib calls left and right for junior bergen he's just a playmaker in himself we all love ourselves some junior before we officially turn the page to this weekend i want to talk about Furman for just one sec you don't have to bring your mind all the way back there just got a few for you a team from a conference that doesn't get the respect some think it deserves what did they show you defensively of course because you're a quarterback but as a whole more importantly did you leave the field thinking differently about them than what you had previously had thought no i mean they definitely li lived up to what the stat sheet said they were probably Probably one of the, they are actually well we're one of the top uh defenses in the FCS. They only allowed I believe like 92 yards a game rushing, and they also uh created a lot of turnovers. I want to say it was ranked pretty high for uh, in a turnover ratio as well. But now nah, they that was that was a very uh great defensive team that we played. That was they were very good on defense. I thought it was a nice little duel between you and Tyler Huff. That's Furman's quarterback. You both are hashtag Stone Cold QB fraternity brothers. Did you share any words after the game? And what'd you think of his game after everything was all said and done? Oh man, he, that's a good that's a good quarterback right there, man. He, I know he had hit the portal and all, but yeah, he was he was real uh nice. He was a he was a competitor. He competed. It was kind of fun just dueling and out and battling with him. But yeah, it, I mean, it definitely was a battle back and forth at times. We thought you guys would run away with it, but he had some other things to say. Nice little duel, as Clifton McDowell puts it. 35-28, the finish last weekend. Montana moving on to the semis. Cliff, I tell you what, there's nothing. FCS fans love more than seeing Bobby Houck smile. What kind of vibe has he been putting off the past month or so? Uh, past month, it's just been nothing but smiles, you know? Just keeping us uplifted, keeping us going, not letting us get complacent, and just keeping us all level-headed. Yeah, let's talk about the other side of the ball real quick, that defense. Shout out some of the guys real quick and talk about how easy they make your life on the weekends. Man, this, this defensive line, linebackers, corners, man, they've just been locked down. They've been shutting out teams sometimes. We've been playing the, uh, in the regular season. I know we get to the uh, playing teams that we don't really, we're not really used to playing against. So it's just fun seeing those guys going out there and making plays, being able to get us the ball back and go and score. That's an interesting perspective you bring up going against teams that you're not used to playing. That's what the playoffs is, right? So being able to see from your standpoint on the sideline of defense, be able to adjust to different styles, different schemes, and still be locked down is pretty cool. Hey, the Bison are coming to town. You know, this is big boy ball on its way Saturday, right? Mm -hmm. yep. A team that's won a handful of championships in the past comes into your guys' house unseated. You guys treating this like another day in the office, or is this one as big time as we all think it is? Yeah, I mean, we every game is big time this, but I mean, yeah, we we definitely uh we definitely have a little little bit pent up from uh last year. I know a couple of seniors. I talked to a couple of seniors, and they were yeah. telling me about how the game went last year and just left a bad taste in their mouth. So we're really ready. We're excited for this uh game on Saturday. If you're willing to give it up, you don't have to. But what what's been Hauk's message this week about the Bison, or just in general, has it been the same? Uh, about, I mean, pretty pretty much the same. Just going out there, playing out, playing out, playing the ball, and just going out there and executing at a high level. Just executing at a high level. Those are words from Mr. Bobby Houck, reiterated by Mr. Clifton McDowell. Having a chat here with Mr. McDowell, the signal caller for the Montana Grizz. Cliff, if you could send a message to Grizz fans before the game Saturday, what would it be? I'd just be there, bring the energy, be loud. We're going to need y'all. I know they already sold it. It's already sold out. It's already sold out. Yeah. So, I mean, y'all going to be there. Just be loud. We're going to bring home the dub for y'all. How have you guys been able to... 
I hate that I'm using the word adapt because it's it's normal for you guys, but the conditions, right? The snow, the weather. From a quarterback's perspective, do you go into a game kind of thinking about these things or it is what it is and, and nothing's going to change it. So you go out and play to the conditions. Do you ever really give it thought? I mean, the versus Delaware, that was my first time playing in the snow. And uh, Okay, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. 49 points you guys scored against Delaware. You couldn't even see it on the TV broadcast. You couldn't even see you guys. 49 points. That was your first time playing in snow? Yeah, that was, that was the first time playing in snow. Uh, I, I guess you could kind of say that, I mean, we're going to get the, we're gonna get the job done, whether it's rain, sleet, snow, it, it doesn't matter. We were, were ready for all terrains and just ready to get the dub. Saturday, the Grizz take on North Dakota State at Washington Grizzly Stadium for a trip to the National Championship. 2.30 kick, your time, 4.30 over here on the East Coast. ESPN2, another game on ESPN2. Excited for that. You're not going to want to miss this one, folks. Cliff, cannot thank you enough for giving the show some time this week. Go kick some ass. FCS Nation's rooting for you, bro. Sure, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for sticking with us during the break. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. It's that time of the week where myself, Stone Labanowitz, and of course, Kevin Marshall, butt face mask, trying to pick these games. Hey, Kev, we've been hot all season long. Pretty much nailed a lot of these scores down. And here we are in the semifinals. I'm excited for this. Two games we're going to hit on right now. One of them, just massive. A massive spot for both of these teams in North Dakota State and Montana. But we're also going to hit on the Celebration Bowl. What do you say we jump right in? Let's do it, man. The Celebration Bowl is interesting to me, dude. And I just want to remind everybody that in the previous segment, we all made a pact that uh, next year's Celebration <laughs> Bowl is going to be something we're going to be at. Yes. And uh, I, I, I am I am for that. But first game that we're going to pick, it's Howard versus Florida A&M in the Celebration Bowl. Who you got, Stone? I'm surprised the point total so high. It opened up at 50 and a half. Money's come in on the under, so it's creeped down. You're going to find it at 47 and a half some places. You'll find it at 49 and a half. I'm staring at 49 and a half. So these teams are going to score, right? Both under a roof in the dome. I'm sure the temperatures, I don't know, sitting in the 40s in Atlanta. So these guys will be happy that they are able to air it out. Uh, nothing really holding them back. So I do think we see some points here. I lean the way of the Rattlers. I think it's just a trend that we've been riding all season long a bona fide top 25 team on fcs nation radio top 25 list week in and week out you would have found the fam fam you rattlers you wouldn't have found howard so i'm just gonna stick with fam you here ride the hot hand the spread's sitting at six and a half so i think vegas is pretty sharp on this one i, I like fam you 28 21 getting this thing done like i said all season long rattlers strike again i agree with you on this one stone florida and a lot of offense quarterback is good willie simmons is uh, we talked about it in the previous segment. One of the finest coaches in FCS or FBS. He's a riser. I expect them to have those boys ready to go. Howard's a good team. They played spoiler a whole bunch this season. And they made it here at 6-5 and five to the Celebration Bowl. But I think that that spoiler role ends for them this week. Give me Florida A&M over Howard. 31-27 in the Celebration Bowl. Kevin and myself both rolling with FAMU. All right, keeping the train a-chugging here. Unseated North Dakota State. Unseated North Dakota State. Let that one sink in for just one second. Going to the number two seed Montana Grizz in Missoula. Playing in Washington Grizzly Stadium. That place has been ruckus all season long. It's up the ante a little bit in the playoffs. This game's already sold out here. I, I'm not going to say I'm nervous to hear your score predictions. Hopefully we land on the same side. This one, uh, again, one of those ones where we're just bouncing back and forth. The line's at a pick them. So, so are the books and so is the public. Uh, they can't sway this thing any other way. I'm sure the money's going to come in right down the middle. Kev, what you got, man? Look, this one is tough to pick because NDSU's done a lot of impressive things in these playoffs. A ton of them. And we discussed it earlier in the previous segment, too. If somehow they can go to Missoula and win this, being unseated after already winning in Bozeman, then winning in Vermilion, this will be something that is unprecedented, really, uh, in the history of the 1AA FCS playoffs. And if there ever is a group that can pull something like this off, yep. it's the North Dakota State Bison. You know, you, you just, you know, you, you see that uniform out there, you see that helmet, and it just does things to opponents. And Montana's the group that's usually used to doing that sort of a thing to people in their stadium with their 27,500 screaming, going nuts for their grizz. This one's it's just going to be a wall of stone, and I think that, you know, the pick is about right for this. Whoever makes the least amount of mistakes is going to win the football game. I know that's cliche, right? 
right. But one turnover here, uh, you know, not getting a first down here. Yeah. Uh, uh, staying inbounds rather than getting out of bounds the little things are going to be so magnified in a game like this and normally nobody does the little things better than the bison but in the last eight nine weeks the montana grizzlies have done the little things extremely well so give me montana at home over north dakota state 31 30 whoever makes the least mistakes i'll co-sign that i think that's really important here i think the line's perfect super sharp whatever quarterback whatever kick returner whatever running back right? Wants to cough it up. Might be the difference in this one. I'm going to go back to what you first talked about, though, in North Dakota State being unseated. I can't think of a bigger FU than what this would be for North Dakota State to get mopped up by UND, the Fighting Hawks, to get mopped up in the regular season to South Dakota. Everybody writing you guys off. There were conversations at one point whether or not this was a playoff team. Let that one sink or in. Whether the, or whether they were the fourth best team in the Dakotas. <laughs> or whether they were the fourth best team in the Dakotas. We had that conversation and it was serious. Maybe not that serious to us because we knew what they were capable of and guys like Lucas Sam are always in our ear just hyping up the bison and whatnot, but it was a conversation at the very least. I can't think of a bigger FU than what this would be for an unseated bison team coming off a national championship appearance last season, last January. Fast forwarding to this January and they find themselves again with what could be another matchup with South Dakota State. Just absolutely historic and the fact that Matt Entz is on his way to USC to coach the linebackers. This right here is documentary stuff and that's what's at stake for North Dakota to state parlay that with the fact that this team is experienced and been here before they're led by a kid who's been there before this kind of adds another twist there are some expectations there is some pressure and they're on the road which again is not normal for these guys so uh, a lot of weird things going into this one this is a concoction of a lot of stuff people are not used to and that's what makes this game a pick because montana on the other side has just been scoring points had a conversation with clifton mcdowell a segment ago and he said that Delaware, that game against Delaware was the first time he had ever played in snow. Folks, they scored 50 points, 49 to be exact, but 49 in the snow and his first time playing in the snow. Like there's nothing that's really holding this team back. They can do whatever they want, whenever they want it, when they're hitting on all cylinders. So with that being said, taking the Montana Grizz with you here, I think they provide too many problems. They can beat you in too many ways. And North Dakota State, I, I think the quite opposite of them, actually, I don't think they can beat you in a bunch of different ways. They have their game, they stick to it, and they plan on using the same exact game plan every week when push comes to shove i like the grizz here in a sweater in a close contest 30 to 27 give me the grizz we both have pretty thin margins here and think that north dakota state covers that spread kev how would you take us out here in the semifinal edition it's a pick segment sign us off we both picked montana we both had montana to get to the national championship game even before the bracket was out i was on sam herder's pod five weeks ago thought the national championship game would be South Dakota State versus Montana, and we're probably going to end up having that. Not a hater, and neither are you. So if you want to find out what we do hate, tune in next week, and maybe we'll tell you. <laughs> but that will bring us to the end of another episode of FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. FCS Nation is co-hosted and produced by Mr. Stone Labanowitz. I'm executive producer and host Kevin Marshall, thanking you for making FCS Nation a small part of your football week. Like I always do, y'all would like to remind you that life's a lot like football. You play by the rules and the penalties won't kill you. Until next week, so long, everybody.